Hey, so glad to have you here. Uh, it's a special night tonight. Uh, we are not only celebrating a few people going forward in their faith with Jesus in baptism. Uh, we're going to worship tonight. Lyle's going to teach a little bit about baptism and just continue our, our mission and vision of just what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, follow after him. And so if you are here and you are interested in getting baptized, you've talked with us uh, we're going to meet over here at this door after the message, so I'm just letting you know that, the details, if we haven't had a chance to connect yet, um, and we'll have changing rooms, we'll get all that, we're going to worship in between, we'll have uh, some baptism stuff. If you're at home watching, um, I guess you could baptize yourself in the bathtub, but that's weird, uh, So, like, or you could come down here uh, if you're interested in baptism, we'd love to, to help celebrate you and your faith, uh, and so glad that you're here, y'all doing well? Good. It's, the weather is nice, although it's been a little warm. Been a little warm, but it's getting there. Uh, but summer is coming, and we've got some stuff that is, is planned coming up here. In fact, next Saturday, we are going to the Juve baseball game. Uh, some of you have bought tickets for that. And uh, I actually have five tickets to give away right now for free. This is how it works. All of you are sitting in a maroon chair. Look around Red, maroon, I don't know. Is it red, maroon? What, what color? Burgundy? Okay, anyway. Uh, underneath one of your chairs is a wristband that has Arizona Wildcats on it. Uh, you'll find that if you look underneath your chair. Underneath one of your chairs has the bracelet around there. If you find that, you are the winner of those tickets. You have five tickets that... Did you find it? You found it. That's awesome. So... If you would take that to the table when you leave tonight, my wife is out there, Amy, you get five free tickets. You can give them away. We'd love to have you hang out with us. Uh, you can still buy those tickets tonight in the foyer. If you see Amy out there at the Next Steps table, you can take care of that. It's a fundraiser uh, for our youth going to camp. We will also do another fundraiser in our dessert auction coming the last Sunday of May, Memorial Day weekend. So... Glad that you're here. Thanks for your one. That's awesome. Uh, and we are glad to have you here. So other second thing to let you know about is marriage retreat. If you are interested in being with us on the marriage retreat in August, we do have a couple scholarships available for that. You would just need to kind of put down the uh, deposit for that. You can get all that information in the app and join us for that. And then tonight, we want to pray for uh, the Church of the Week. We do this every week. Uh, we are one church. We can't reach everyone in Tucson. We want to pray for the church across our city. And so Vineyard Christian Church and Pastor Chris DeHaan is a good, good friend and a, a great follower of Jesus. Uh, really, really helpful in learning this contemplative rhythms to life. I've learned a lot from Chris. And so if you're here in the house, I'm going to invite you to stand up. Uh, if you're at your house, you can stand up if you want. But we're going to pray for Vineyard Christian Community Church, Pastor Chris and their team, and for our time together tonight. So, Lord, we thank you for uh, your church, what you're doing across your city here in Tucson. Father, we pray for Vineyard, and we ask your blessing over Pastor Chris and over their team. I know they just hired an associate, uh, and so I just pray your blessing over just their working relationship, continue to fund the dreams that you are uh, using them. I know that they have a great uh, outreach to Ross Scrooge Elementary there, which you continue to give them inroads and availability to, to impact uh, that school and to be a blessing. God, thank you for the couple schools that we get to bless and, and to partner with in Catalina and John B. Wright. And God, we just continue to pray that your presence would be here tonight as we worship you, 
as we lean into that, as we look into your word, as we celebrate people going forward in faith uh, through baptism. Uh, God, this whole night is yours. And even uh, we pray a blessing over our donuts afterwards. May they be calorie-free. Amen. Let's put the hands together tonight. We're going to worship the Lord. We got baptisms. That's something to be really excited about. Amen. We worship. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors and he parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place.
much to be grateful for tonight. Amen, church?
Yes, Lord, and I just pray that over all of us here that we capture any negative words, any death that has been spoken of over us, Lord. We just capture those thoughts because we are yours, Lord. We are chosen and you love us. And I am so thankful that you do, Lord. In your precious name we pray, amen. Amen. You all can have a seat. Welcome. My name is Lyle. I'm one of the pastors here. It is Baptism Sunday. Who's excited for that? That's right. We, uh, we were thinking, well, if it's Baptism Sunday, we need to do something to celebrate. And so the NBA playoffs are starting. You know, we're going to dunk some people. Maybe we can play basketball afterwards. And then we realize, well, there's maybe one person in the room who might be able to dunk. So basketball is probably not going to be the thing that we would want to do afterwards. And we were like, what can we dunk? And then it just, it, it struck us. There's a company that's named it. So we're having donuts afterwards, as Jack has already said. Uh, we're going to dunk some people, dunk some donuts. That's what it's all about tonight. That is the plan. So, I, I kid, obviously. Tonight, uh, we are going to look at baptism, but I kind of want to approach baptism from a different angle than maybe uh, you might have heard of it spoken of in the past. And that's because typically uh, when we get together to open God's word and there's a sermon, we like to pick a passage of scripture and we kind of walk through that scripture. And the word for that is exegetically. So we, we exegetically walk through scripture. When are you ever going to need to know that word? Probably never. I doubt Bible trivia is going to break out and you'll be like, no, I know that word. And I know how to party, but um, just so you know, it's usually called exegetical uh, analysis of the text is what we do. But tonight I want to take a different approach. Uh, I want to take a narrative approach to going through scripture because we love stories. Like stories are just all around us. There's a reason that most of us are attracted to reading or watching television shows or movies, and that's because we like narrative. We like to see how narratives play out and, and see what happens in the process of that. And so I want to take kind of a, a big picture view of that because... Um, there's, there's something brilliant about the way that the Bible has been pieced together, that even though we have 66 different books that throughout history were written by different people, there's still one story that starts at the beginning and carries through all the way to the end. There's no plot holes here in Scripture. Sometimes there might be moments where like that doesn't quite line up or make sense, but the reality is if, if you look into the text, you can see how it all makes sense. Unlike some of your favorite TV shows that do have plot holes, right? Like you think of the TV show Lost, it's full of them, right? What was J.J. Abrams thinking? Like Walt, very early on, you see Walt and you're like, man, there's gonna be something important with Walt here. He's got special powers. They do nothing with it, why? Smoke monster, anybody? The polar bear? There are so many questions that were left unanswered. Plot hole, right? What about friends? I never really got into friends, but as I was researching this, the pilot, you have Ross and Rachel who apparently meet each other for the first time. But then in many episodes uh, throughout, there's flashbacks where apparently they were like making out in college and they knew each other back then. And you're like, that doesn't seem like something that would happen for people who had just met in the pilot. So there are plot holes all throughout the stories that we love. But tonight I want us to see that in scripture, uh, there is great continuity. And that's something that we should celebrate. That's something that we should have confidence in what we believe and, and why we have faith in this story, this greatest story that's ever been told. And so uh, as we look through 
this motif that God establishes early on. Before we even get into it, I, I just want to say Dr. David Campbell is a, a pastor and a, an academic up in Canada, and I'm really grateful for him because a couple weeks ago, I got to go hear him speak at a, a leader's retreat, and he kind of introduced this motif there, and it, it blew my mind. And I want to blow your mind tonight. Is that okay? I want to blow your mind because I want you to see the narrative in scripture and how brilliant this is. And so here's the motif that God establishes from the very beginning. I, I was gonna call this a five minute nerd out, but it may go longer than that. So it may be a 10 minute nerd out. So get your nerd hats on, follow with me. It's gonna be good, all right? Not to overhype it or anything, but it sounds like that's exactly what I've done. So if you get let down, I'm sorry. There's donuts afterwards, get excited about that. So what is the motif? Genesis chapter one, I'll tell you the three parts and then we'll see some examples in scripture of how this plays out, okay? So Genesis chapter one, right at the very beginning, God establishes this motif that he breathes into a situation. It's the ruach is the word that gets used in Hebrew. Ruach means breath, wind also translates as spirit. And so the breath of God, the ruach of God, will show up into a situation. Now, if you were to follow that word into the Greek, uh, ruach, you might see pneuma as translated for spirit. If you get into the Latin, it's um, anima. So any tool fans out there, now you know where that came from. So the spirit of God, the ruach of God blows into a situation. And what happens after that is the dividing of the waters. Now, here's what's important about the dividing of the waters. Waters typically represent chaos in the ancient Near East. So anytime you see waters in scripture, especially when it's referring to like a great big body of water, there's chaos in that situation. Think of Peter walking on the water, right? What's brilliant about it? It's in the middle of a storm and there's all this chaos. And here's Peter as he's keeping his eyes fixed on Jesus. He's able to survive in that situation. So that's just one example of where we see waters getting used to represent chaos, okay? So the motif, God's spirit shows up, his breath blows into a situation. The ruach of God appears. Then the dividing of the waters will happen so that God can place a people in a new land to represent him and represent his ways. Okay, so this is one. We see it happen with Adam. God, even before Adam shows up on the scene, what does he do? The breath of God blows. The ruach of God shows up. He separates the waters from the dry land. And what does he do? He places a new people. He places Adam into the land to represent him in his ways. Adam fails. We know this. Genesis uh, chapter 8 Moving forward, you've got Noah, same situation, that there's so much sin in the earth that God floods the earth. But at the end of the flood, the ruach of God appears in Genesis 8.1, separates the waters from the dry land, and now the placing of Noah and his family into a new land to represent God and his ways begins to happen. Noah fails. Moving forward, we get to Exodus 14. If you read all of Exodus 14, you get the story of Moses as he's delivering the Israelites out of Egypt. The Ruach of God appears. God's spirit shows up as they approach the Red Sea. The waters are divided. The chaos of being just right, Egypt is chasing after the Israelites in this moment. And God brings calmness to the chaos by separating the waters and the people of God pass through on dry land to enter into a new land where they get to represent God in his ways. They fail, right? We know this. They complain so much that God actually won't let them enter into the promised land that he had set aside for them. And so that leads us to Joshua who takes over for Moses that when this generation of Israelites who complained, when they finally die off, 
God allows the next generation of people to inherit the land. And so in Joshua chapter 3, what do we see? The Ruach of God appears. The dividing of the Jordan River takes place so that the Israelites can move into a new land so the people of God can represent God in a new land and uphold his ways. They fail. Do you see the theme that's appearing here? The last one, 2 Kings chapter 2. You've got Elijah, the prophet, and he's already anointed Elisha to follow after him. And this is kind of Elijah's last moments on earth. And so uh, Elisha uh, and Elijah go together. They get to the Jordan River. And what does Elijah do? He rolls up a cloak. He hits it on the ground. And so the Ruach of God appears in that moment. The Jordan River separates. And now these two prophets enter into a new land where they represent God and his ways to a new people. And they fail. And that leads us to tonight and to where we're at in our our main text that I want to look at, and that's just Matthew chapter 3. And so in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, we see this moment where Jesus gets baptized. And so Jesus goes to John the Baptist, and uh, starting in verse 13 of Matthew 3, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And so this is the moment here where the the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, is commissioned to begin his ministry in order to fulfill his reign. And what this moment signifies is so much more than just Jesus being baptized in order to be obedient and, and to begin his ministry. Jesus being baptized in that moment, do you know where that took place? The Jordan River. And those last examples we looked at, what waters were being divided, the Jordan River. This is the fulfillment. This moment that Jesus is baptized is the fulfillment of Adam, of Noah, of Moses, of Joshua, of Elijah, and Elisha. That's why it was important for Jesus to be baptized in the Jordan River where Joshua and Elijah and Elisha all divided the waters and failed. But Jesus isn't done here. Jesus, knowing what the Father has commissioned him to do, is now ready to begin his ministry. But before he begins it, he has to take a detour. And so immediately after that passage in Matthew 3, Jesus, if you notice Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, what does it say? We've got it on the screen. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. The Ruach of God has blown again. The Ruach of God shows up here so that Jesus uh, can be led into the wilderness in order to be tempted by the devil. And so there in the wilderness, Jesus has a specific task to accomplish. Jesus is tempted, if you know the story well, Jesus is tempted three times, and Jesus replies all three times with a passage from Deuteronomy. But what I want you to see is that each one of those temptations is a direct correlation to the failure of the Israelites in the desert with Moses. This is crazy. This is so cool. So what were the three temptations? First of all, if we look at the Israelites, the first thing, the Israelites looked back to the food of Egypt and sinned. And so what does Satan show up to do with the first temptation? Satan tempts Jesus to turn those stones into bread. And how does Jesus respond? He quotes Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone. The second temptation, Israel 
when they were in the desert, they continually put God to the test. In particular, they tested him at Meribah. They tested him at Manasseh to provide water. And so what does Jesus do? Or sorry, what does Satan do? Satan tempts Jesus to test God by throwing himself from the top of the temple. And so what does Jesus respond? He responds from Deuteronomy, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then finally, the third temptation, where Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, all their glory, and says that he'd give them to Jesus if Jesus would bow and worship him. And this is a parallel to the Israelites that Moses goes up the mountain and Moses is up the mountain for a period of time and the Israelites don't quite know what to do. They get bored. So what do they do? They gather a bunch of gold and they create an idol to worship that they're now bowing down to. And when Moses comes down the mountain to deliver the 10 commandments, he's grieved because the Israelites have already made an idol that they began to worship. But Satan comes to Jesus. How does Jesus respond? Once again, he quotes Deuteronomy and he basically says, Worship and serve the Lord God only. That's it. The Israelites spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness and failed. And now Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness and succeeds where everyone else who has gone before has failed. Jesus succeeds where everyone has failed. That's good news. That's the gospel. Isn't that brilliant to see that there's this continuity, that this motif is established at the beginning of Scripture, that the Ruach of God, His Spirit would blow into a situation, that the chaos that surrounds those situations, the waters would be divided so that the people of God could be placed into a new land to proclaim this God and His ways and His good news. And where everyone else has failed before, we finally in Jesus have a Savior, the Messiah, who has fulfilled it all. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's awesome. So Jesus, after this, he takes his people with him into the promised land. He establishes the kingdom of God as he represents God and all the ways of God to all of his people. And now the consequences of the fall from Adam at the very beginning are continually being reversed, even today, through the work that Jesus had begun to do immediately after his baptism And so every healing, every miraculous moment that you see in the ministry of Jesus is a sign of that occurring. Praise Jesus. And so Luke 4 even records this moment where Jesus, once again, filled by the Ruach, the Spirit of God, he stands up and he quotes the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue. And so Luke 4 records this in verses 18 through 21. It says, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Again, Ruach. Jesus is now proclaiming it because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus fulfills the scripture. Jesus fulfills the law. Jesus succeeds where all who have gone before him has failed. And so what does that mean for you and for me? It means that if we've received Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, that you too have been commissioned. And that motif that's been established in Scripture, that still continues today, and you get to play a part in that. And so as Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, we get several views of how this plays out. So take a look at Acts 1.8. We get uh, Luke has his account of the last words of Jesus as Jesus is getting ready to ascend. What does Jesus say? He says this, but you will receive power when what? 
the Holy Spirit. What is that word again? When the Ruach, it would be pneuma because this is technically in Greek. I know I tricked you. But still, the Ruach, the breath of God, the Spirit of God shows up in this situation. That's what he's saying. You will receive power when the Ruach has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so... That first part of the motif, if you are in Christ, the Ruach of God has made its way into your life. It's made its way into your heart. You have the spirit of God within you if you are in Jesus. And then if we go to Matthew and what he records in Jesus's final words, Matthew 28 verses 19 through 20, Jesus says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, again, the waters, Coming out of the waters, the dividing of the waters, there it is again, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so we see the Ruach of God blowing in in Acts 1.8 and then here in Matthew 28 that as a new disciple, the dividing of the waters happens when we come out of the baptismal. And then thirdly, we are then commissioned to go and represent the kingdom of God and all of his ways, why? So that we can make new disciples, so that we can continue the motif in what we do. And so why is baptism important? It's important because this is a significant moment in the commissioning of a disciple. And so we've got seven people tonight already who are gonna be baptized. We are commissioning all seven of those people tonight, whether they like it or not, to be disciples of Christ And we're commissioning them to go fulfill this promise in Scripture, this motif that we receive the Ruach of God so that we can then go out and live for God and live for His ways and display those things to to a people who need to see it. And so baptism, it's this public declaration to a crowd of witnesses that I'm dying to myself in order to show everyone that I now belong to Jesus And for those of us who are here tonight who get to witness that, if you're in Christ as well, you have a responsibility to those that we're going to be baptizing tonight. Your responsibility is to help hold them accountable and to help encourage them in the process as they work this motif out in their own life, as they work to understand what it means to have received the Spirit of God and work to understand what it means to now live for God and to live for His ways as they represent Him. Jesus paid a great price to win our freedom. That's what we celebrated last week at Easter, isn't it? And that's why baptism refers to the death, the resurrection of Jesus. It shows that we can follow Jesus into the waters of the chaos in this world. And we can successfully rise out of them, not because of anything that we've done. All those who went before Jesus failed and will continue to fail if we try to do it in our own power. But when we do it in the power of the Spirit, after the Ruach of God has blown into our lives, when we do that with the fellowship of other believers who are able to encourage us, to hold us accountable, and to help spur us along in in, in the process, we're able to successfully do this, to enter this new land, to enter the kingdom of God, and to help bring others with us as we do so. We get baptized, yes, because Jesus modeled it for us, and we want to be like him There's no question about that, but what's even more important here is that baptism signifies our new life in Christ. It signifies a new life that's shaped and molded by the miraculous work that God demonstrated in our own lives as his breath, as his spirit breathed new life into us. 
in the same way that Jesus displayed his authority over death when he resurrected, our baptism also displays a powerful reality, and that's this, that now that our life is in Christ, baptism reflects the reality that our old sinful nature has been put to death, and we can now walk in victory over the power of sin as a new creation in Christ. When we've placed our faith and our hope in Jesus, we're given a new identity. No longer do we have to strive to define who we are. We don't have to do this work where we live in frustration because we're trying to figure out uh, who we're trying to be or what defines us. In fact, too many of us, if we're being honest, in this generation, in this day and age, we've placed our identity in our job title or our social status or our sexuality or our bank account or our family, all of which those things will one day fade. And what's even more tragic is that some of you believe that your identity is defined by your failures, by your past mistakes. And we buy into this lie that our past sins are so strong that they now define us. And yet baptism gives us good news. And that's if you are in Christ, he tells you who you are. He tells you who you are. He gives you your identity that you are his child. That's something we just sang about. And so some of you tonight, you might struggle to embrace your new identity in Christ. And if that's you, if you've never been baptized before, I invite you, come get baptized. Come wear that new identity. Let us all see this public profession of faith that you believe in Jesus, that you believe that what he did on the cross is strong enough to allow you to be forgiven for your sin. It makes no sense that we would believe that Jesus, a man who we would also believe is fully God, that he would come and live a perfect life, that he would die and then be resurrected, that he would come back to life. We have no problem believing that and placing our faith in that. And yet, for some reason, we feel that our sin is so great that he can't forgive it, that that has to define who we are. And I'm telling you, that's a lie. Let baptism be that moment tonight that you recognize that you are a new creation in Christ And maybe if you've been baptized before, this is your invitation to remember that moment. Remember what Jesus did for you in that moment. Remember his presence that's with you in that moment uh, so that you can bring that back to life. We want to live with that power, with the Ruach of God alive within us so that we can be everything that he has called us to be and live the way that he has called us to live. And so if baptism is about obedience as well, uh, which we hear that all the time, um, it's because it signifies that when we come out of the waters, this new life, being raised to a new life in Christ, it signifies that this new life is going to be lived in obedience to him and his ways. And I want you to hear that. It's not about performance. Notice I said it's about obedience. Why? I saw someone put this up today uh, on, on social media. Someone said, performance reflects on self. Obedience actually reflects on God. Performance glorifies the self. Obedience glorifies God. And so it's about our obeying Christ. Why? Because we want to bring glory to him and to his ways. And then lastly, uh, I want us to just recognize this truth. And this is something that we don't talk about in the evangelical Christian church too often uh, because this is kind of a weird word for us. But I want us to see baptism as a sacrament. Sacrament. It's a word that means holy mystery, if you were to just translate that out. And so in the Catholic Church, they believe there are seven sacraments. And uh, we don't need to get into it tonight, but I'm like 
borderline Catholic and believing if we rephrased a few of those, we could say that maybe there's still seven sacraments in the evangelical church. But that's a debate for a different night amongst the theological nerds that are here in the room. But in the evangelical church, we definitely recognize two actions as sacraments. Baptism being one, marriage being the other. And so what we mean by a, a holy mystery is that uh, a sacrament is an, an action that we experience uh, the divine grace of God in profound ways. And for lack of a better term, in mystical ways. It's kind of what happens in corporate worship, that you could be standing in a group of 100 people, and you're all singing the same song together, and yet you still feel like God's talking directly to you, and you're the only one in that moment. How does that happen? You might be sitting at home streaming the service, and it's just they're not even here in the room. It could be a person streaming this on a Thursday that... It's like, man, I just felt the presence of God. That's a profound thing. And so baptism is a sacrament. It's a way in which we get to experience God's divine grace in just profound and inexplicable ways. How many of you got married? Right? A lot of us in the room have been married. Think about marriage as a sacrament. Think about that moment that you were standing with your beloved at the altar. Wasn't that a holy moment where you felt the presence of God in a way that maybe you don't feel it normally? That was the example I was giving to my friends who were going to baptize a little bit later. I got to be a part of their wedding last year. And it was just this divine moment as the three of us were standing together as they were exchanging their vows. Baptism is the same thing. Baptism is this holy sacred moment that for the seven people, and I hope more, I hope some of you tonight who've never been baptized before, that you're ready to do it. Because we've got extra shorts. We've got extra shirts. We're good to go. What's the worst that could happen? You get a wet car on the way home. So what? So what? Isn't it worth knowing this new identity of Christ, like that, that that's yours? Isn't it worth experiencing this divine grace in a profound way? That's what baptism is all about. It's not this portal that suddenly opens to never-ending success and divine blessing in perpetuity. It's not. I can't tell you that that's what it's going to be. But there is this divine encounter with God that you get to experience, this holy commissioning where you can feel the ruach of God blowing itself into your life. You can get this fresh filling of the Holy Spirit that will empower you forward in the pursuit of living according to God's way. And so that's what we're here to celebrate tonight with baptism, that we get to watch people experience the sacred mystery of God's presence as they say goodbye to the old self and as they come out of the waters, a new creation in Christ, ready to go into a new land to represent God in his ways. That's what it's all about. And so uh, let's pray. Jesus, uh, we just want to stop and acknowledge your presence in this moment and thank you that you're here with us, that you are alive, that you're moving that we could sing these songs of worship and just sense your spirit with us and sense your joy in us and over us tonight. And I'm just grateful that we get to experience that in even more profound ways in the coming minutes. And so for the, the non-believer, the person who might be a skeptic that's here tonight, Jesus, um, what we said, this isn't necessarily uh, for them in this moment but I do pray that there would be something attractive about hearing this, that if you're here tonight and you've never placed your faith and hope in Jesus, we invite you to do that. 
And we'd love to baptize you as a part of that process. But for those who are in Christ already, who've never experienced that commissioning, who've never had that moment where they got to sense the fullness of your joy over them and just your divine presence as they partake in the sacrament of baptism, God, would tonight be the night that they get to engage in this profound mystery, that they would sense your presence and your holiness in that moment and your joy over them as they say yes to that. And for the person who's here tonight that maybe uh, they remember that moment that they sunk beneath the waters and came out a new creation in Christ, all of humanity has been marked by failure once the dividing of the waters happened and they were led into a new land. And so our hope is not in ourselves, it's not in our performance, it's not in what we've done since then to fail. Our hope is in Jesus, the only one who was ever successful at this. And so I pray that you would just invite us to receive your Holy Spirit in a fresh way tonight. That we would reaffirm our commitment to you, Lord. And that we would understand that we've been commissioned to go and make disciples, to go and live and represent you in this way. And so help us to take that seriously, God. Not that we want to strive for performance, but we just want to be obedient to you, Jesus, and we need help doing it. So thank you for your grace, Jesus, which covers a multitude of our sins. Every single one of them is covered in what you did for us and what we celebrated last week at Easter. And so I thank you that uh, we can already confess this to you. And just as we seek you, your word tells us that you're faithful to show up, you're faithful to be found. And so for the person who's seeking you afresh tonight, a fresh filling of your ruach, God, would you blow those winds of change into our hearts so that we can be empowered to go and live a life that brings you glory. And so Holy Spirit, we just invite you, continue your work tonight. Continue to do what only you can do. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. And so if that's you, if you want to get baptized tonight, for those of you who will be baptized, if you want to make your way down the side here, we've got people ready to receive you. Um, but we're going to sing a song of worship uh, and we'll, we'll do some baptisms. We're going to sing another song. We'll do some more baptisms. We'll go all night. If, if everybody in the room wants to get baptized, we will make space to make that happen. That'd be ridiculous because I've been baptized. So it won't be everybody in the room. But you get the point. And so uh, let's all stand together as we worship, as we get ready to celebrate uh, those who are going to be baptized tonight. In the past. 
This is my friend Sarah and her husband Mitchell. Uh, they've been coming here to the church for a little while, and uh, Sarah has been on this spiritual journey and wanting to kind of own her faith. Uh, and this is a way of you saying yes to Jesus and stepping forward into that. So, Sarah, have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Then it is our honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let me turn this way. friend Devon and uh, Devon and I had a good chat this week I know um, faith has been a part of your history growing up years and kind of came to a place where uh, you're pushing back from that and uh, searching shall we say and uh, have come to a place and so Devon if you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior do you wish to follow him forward with your life yes I do then it's my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit This is my friend Walker, and uh, Walker, we, we go way back, a week, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, was here at Easter uh, last Sunday, and uh, as we were chatting about what Jesus did for you, uh, you've been on that journey, feeling like the Lord, even a year ago, was kind of getting your attention. So Walker, if you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, do you wish to follow him going forward in life? I do. Then it is my honor. Your brother in Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
my friend Charlotte. And Charlotte, you were sitting there, and you realized, hey, I, I want to do this. I want to get baptized. And so, Charlotte, have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Do you wish to follow him going forward in life? Then it is my honor as your brother in Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
right. Come on in. I want to introduce you to my friends Bobby and Destiny. Uh, Destiny and I go back. Gosh, we worked together at uh, at Apple for probably like five years, something like that, four years. And um, about a little bit after I'd left Apple and became full-time here, she showed up and I was just like, oh my gosh, somebody at work actually paid attention to some of the stuff we talked about. So um, yeah, and then they were like, hey, uh, we need someone to marry us in April. Uh, it was like literally, what, three weeks before your wedding and your officiant backed out. Um, but this is the second sacrament that I get to participate in with them, and it's just a, a joy to do this. My wife Anya's here because Destiny went through a discipleship group with Anya for a year, and so Destiny really wanted uh, Anya to be a part of this as well. And so, uh, Bobby, come on up. We're going to baptize you first. And so, Bobby, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, and do you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead? I do. And is it your intention to follow after Jesus for the rest of your days? It is. All right. And it's my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in his likeness, and raised to walk in the newness of life. And then Destiny, same questions for you. Do you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Yes. And is it your intention to walk with Jesus for the rest of your days? Yes. All right. And it is my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his likeness. Raised to walk in the newness of life. All right. And we've got Penelope. Come on up, Penelope. Here she comes. Hey, sweetheart, how are you tonight? Good. So Penelope's mother, Clarissa, we go way back. She's waving back here. Uh, and man, so we've known Penelope since she was born and you just Man, what a joy it is to get to baptize you tonight. So Penelope, I've got a couple questions for you. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead? Yeah. And is it the intention of you to follow after Jesus for the rest of your days? Yes. All right. Well, then let's do this. I'm going to have you grab your hand here. Oh. We're going to plug your nose. All right. And then go and grab your wrist. It's my joy to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his likeness. And raised to walk in the newness of God. How awesome is this? I'm convinced Jesus watches every single baptism. It's like when you stand at the altar and you put a ring on, you say, I do. That's what we're doing. I think he watches every single one. I know heaven rejoices. And we get to, as the church family, say, these are the people we're going to champion. These are the people we're going to walk alongside. These are the people we're going to cheer forward in faith. 
We're going to celebrate in a lot of different ways. And so we'll celebrate the highs. We'll walk through the lows together because that's what the church does, walking with people. That's what the church gets to do with you. When you go through those highs, you go through those lows. Me too. We get to be that family of God, one to another. So a couple quick announcements, stuff, just uh, logistics and upcoming things. And then we're going to worship one last song. And then we're going to eat donuts together. Because as a Sunday night church, we never get donuts until tonight. Uh, we've prayed over them. I don't know if they'll be calorie-free. That is a miracle uh, if it happens. So, But we're praying for that. So, um, again, baseball tickets. If you want to join us for the baseball game, you can get those at the Next Steps table uh, tonight. If you won, uh, then take that out there and you get the, the five tickets that you won. Uh, Romans 8 uh, is an incredible chapter of Scripture. We're going to spend the next seven weeks walking through. That's our next series. Uh, marriage retreat. Again, if you want to put down a deposit for that, we've got some scholarships available coming up in August. You can find all the info in the app. If you are new here tonight, Karen is at the 10-minute party. We'll go for 10 minutes. We will save donuts for anyone that goes to the 10-minute party. Um, and then immediately after this final song, in the courtyard, which a lot of you come in through our front door, Tonight, you can go out the back door, okay? Uh, and the courtyard is right behind this wall, right behind where you just saw the baptisms, and we've got the donuts out there. And then dinner tonight, we always have a group that goes to dinner. Borrows is where we're heading tonight in about 25, 30 minutes is when we'll get there. And uh, just to entice you, uh, there's already been like 12 pizzas bought. Uh, and so if you're broke, man, this is the best night to go to dinner. Um, and so it's already been purchased Celebrate. There's to continue in the celebration. So uh, let's just worship together. Let's seal this evening uh, in worshiping God and telling him thanks for the lives that he's bringing home into connection with him, that he gets to walk through every moment of life with each one of us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you did, what you continue to do, and what you will do in the days ahead, in the lives of my friends. I pray your blessing over them as we worship you now.
Amen. God is good. Have a fantastic week. We love you, church. Have some donuts.